All right, ladies and gentlemen, it's pucker time. <laughs> Hi, I'm Daniel Dresner, and I was playing with titanium depth gauges when I should have been playing with dolls. I'm Anna Marie Cox, and welcome to Space the Nation, where we look at science fiction through the lens of... U.S. hegemony! <laughs> and McClellan's Three Needs Theory. Today we'll be talking about Armageddon, <laughs> which is available on HBO Max as well as other places, but is for free or at least mm-hmm. included with subscription on HBO Max. Yes. In the next few weeks, well, it's Bapril. So we're going to be talking about the <laughs> island. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Yes, it's Bapril. Please imagine us running towards you with explosions behind us. Yes. Lots of adrenaline. This, this is going to be an adrenaline. Yeah, it's going to be an adrenaline thrill ride of a podcast. Ladies the ladies. island and Transformers. <laughs> I tried to say that with a lot of adrenaline. The uh, Rock. And then, yes, I think we're going to do The Rock. I have used my executive authority to <laughs> make that decision. Anna has played her no, we could only do one Transformers movie card. And, yes. you know, I respect that <laughs> as her as her co-host. Like I, I, I did I, yeah. nominate Pearl Harbor, but that's a bad movie. So yeah. <laughs> although and, I think it does qualify as... It has a lot of IR in it. That was my only... That was there's my only. IR in it, yes. But, like, there's <laughs> zeros. Well, I, you know, it, it's... It, we're stretching the sci-fi as it is with The Rock, but The Rock is also a genuinely enjoyable movie. So, yes, yes we're going to go with that. If you are listening to this, you are probably a fan of the show, but are you a patron of Have the show? Have you thought about being a patron? You know, it's a great... Isn't it? It's a great-sounding word, being a patron. Like, it you're is. a patron of the arts by becoming a patron for us. You're a patron sort of. of our art. Yes. And... Oh, oh, damn. <laughs> <laughs> I, that, that deserved its own explosion on it. And, and not only do you get warm fuzzies, but you get to be a member of our Discord, which is a mm-hmm. wonderful community. Yes. You also get early access to episodes, and you can come to our Ask Us Anythings, which will happen this month, she says, yes. with her voice slightly up-talking. Mm-hmm. Because we have missed some in the past, but not this month. Nope. We're going to do this month. month. April. We're definitely doing A and AUA for April. Absolutely. There you go. Yes. Dan, what else? Well, you, there in theory, I hear is merch. Um, There's some merch that's supposed to happen. Oh, I'm making calls. I'm making calls. This, okay, okay, it it started as a real thing and then it became a joke and now it's a joke again, but I am, (laughs) maybe I should just stop trying. Maybe <laughs> the Maybe most important thing. Just stay a joke. No, it... I think I I want. Let me put this You know what? I want a T-shirt. Okay. You know, like okay. it would be nice to have. Right. Also, if we get to 250 patrons, we will do a patron-only episode about a topic chosen by you, the patrons, and it can be about anything. There can be no sci-fi in it whatsoever. You could make us do Pearl Harbor. You could make us do another Transformers movie. Please don't. Anna can't play that card. <laughs> Only once. All right. She can only play that card once. She's already played it. You could actually make her watch another Transformers movie. I think that's a waste of your choice, just to be clear. I'm kind of with on on this one. But you could make us watch anything or read anything, you know, and we will we will talk about it. Uh, no TV series. That's Yeah, only. yeah, yeah, yeah. We, and also, within reason. Yeah. We, we will not play games. No, and, no, there's just no point. We're both And I mean that both seconds. psychologically and <laughs> in terms of videos. Yes. Also, uh, you could reach us on social media. We are no longer blue checks on mm. Twitter because there are no more blue checks. Pour I think, one out you... for the blue checks. Yes, pour one out. 
But we are on both Mastodon and Post. I have a Substack called Dresner's World, where I'm trying to defy Anna's prediction of the end of Substack. Unfortunately, she got a really strong data point this weekend <laughs> in her favor, which she took great pleasure in letting me know about, in which it looks like Substack needs some cash. Yeah, yeah. They're so trying we'll... to raise money from the people using it, which I find. Yes. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's like a... basically like a, it's, it's like a Kickstarter only people are already using it. <laughs> I got that email like before you sent me the 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 story, but I got that email and thought, oh, that this can't be good. No, this, it, it actually does have the feel of Elon Musk asking for seven dollars for for like the blue check. Actually, yeah. But you know what? If you subscribe to Dresner's World Wall, you can. How about there that? Yes. There you go, Dan. Yeah, yeah. And also, and, I you can support me and my stuff. I'm on Instagram. Right. I, I teach a writing workshop. I am a columnist for the New Republic. Yay. Yes. And you have a website, AnnaMarieCox.com. AnnaMarieCox.com. That's where you can keep up with me. Mm. Dan, I have a question. Yes? How are you? I'm okay. I'm carbo-loading right now, Anna, because by the time our listeners hear this, uh, Passover will have started, which mm. is the grumpiest holiday in the world for me, because Passover means you can't eat anything leavened, so no bread, no noodles, no none of the things that I like Wait, to eat that noodles are Noodles are leavened? Me. Yep. Huh. Although rice noodles would not be. So there was a big change a couple of years ago, at least in American Judaism, where it was declared that rice was now kosher for Passover, which was a game changer for me. Because when I was a kid, that was not. And like, you know, the, the annoying thing for Passover is that, you know, what, what you normally eat during the Seder and what you normally eat for the eight days is this cracker called matzah, which is incredibly annoying because the Gentiles always like to talk about how, oh, I've tried matzah. It's really nice. I don't know why you complain about this. Eat it for eight straight days, and then trust me, you will you will understand mm. why we complain about it. Yes. All right. Well, how are you, Anna? Pretty good, Dan. Pretty good. We are enjoying the brief window of time here in Austin where the weather is pretty much perfect. And <laughs> so I reserve the right to talk about it a fair amount. Mm -hmm. It is not too hot and not too cold. There is rain and sun, both. Both of those wow. things. You have yes. all the weather. That's, all that's the rain. weather happens pretty much in March and April. Excellent. <laughs> and you know what? My kitten's about to celebrate her first birthday. Oh, happy yeah. birthday, Molly Murder Kitten. That's yeah. wonderful. Yeah. What do you get a murder kitten who has everything? <laughs> not another set of knives. But... No. No. But maybe something else. I don't know. She's she's mellowing just a tiny, tiny bit, I say, as I look suspiciously around the house. <laughs> it's if she starts looking suspiciously at you that you're in trouble, I suspect. So There you yeah. go. Dan, yeah. why are we talking about Armageddon, though? Tell us. Let's move along. Why are we talking about Armageddon? I, I, we should move along quickly, much like this film. You know, we can't have Bapril and not discuss this movie, Anna. The court says we can't. Mm. But, you know... It, I, I, my only concern in starting with Armageddon, and we were originally doing this chronologically, so we started with Armageddon, is that it's going to be all downhill from here, because this is probably my favorite Michael Bay film. But also, you know, there are many friends of the pod in this mm -hmm. film. I was once again delighted to see Keith David in, you know, a film. And it's just remarkable how, like, he fits in in any movie. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, if you make any sci-fi film, you should just put find a role for Keith David. Yep. There should be a Keith David rule for all sci-fi from here on in, I think. I agree. I, I must agree. I think he's yep. fantastic in it. And, of course, Jason mm -hmm. Isaacs, also a friend of the yes. pod. Yep. Uh, he plays Quincy. And, yeah, it's a, a total smoke show in this film. Mm -hmm. he's and a sexy smartest smoke man show. in the planet. I don't know. He has a couple good lines. Yes. 
I mean, yes. he's just he's just quietly a genius, unlike Steve Buscemi's character, who's very loudly a genius. Yeah, Steve Buscemi. Yes, Rockhound clearly has some insecurities he needs to to get over. Whereas, although he was a professor at Princeton, Dan. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Yes, that's true. Oh, I'd be insecure yep. if I was a professor at Princeton too. I mean, <laughs> you know. Yep. Not yeah, Harvard. Yeah. No. Dan, will this podcast ruin the movie? Someone has not seen it. <sighs> Anna, how do I put this? That's pretty much impossible. You know, first of all, the movie's been around for 25 years, so anyone who's probably going to have seen it has seen it. Also, trust me when I say we're going to talk about this film, but talking about this film and watching it are two entirely different things in a way that's not always true of some of the films we've discussed before. This this is a visceral experience. Would, would that be a safe way of putting it? I was going to say that nothing can ruin this movie except the wrong expectations for it. Yes. <laughs> I will say this. have the proper expectations. Yes. Which just should be, you will be, your world will be rocked. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) That is the expectation, is you will be blown back into your seat by the force of 11 Gs for two and a half hours. I keep thinking of that like. Unable to move, like an elephant is sitting on your chest. There's just so much power coming out of that movie. Was there a magazine ad like in the 80s or 90s of like a really powerful stereo system where like some yeah. kid is wearing sunglasses and like blown like the wind the is blowing? ASF, I believe. Yes, yes. That's what I think of when I think of a Michael Bay film. Yeah. And this yeah. this is that. This is that. And this is the Michael Bay of Michael. Like like this is the like the Uber Michael Bay film, I would argue. Yeah. Again, I'm a little worried almost because having we will get into this having listened to the entire commentary track. <laughs> like I Anna feel did like... the homework on this one. Anna did the work on this one. <laughs> I feel like I know him so well, and this is <laughs> like the purest expression of his vision, probably yeah. yet that he has made. And I... which well, is we'll actually kind of sad if you think about yeah, it, because this we'll, is a, we'll this see. movie is twenty six years old now. We'll you know. see. Dan, yeah, it's twenty six years old. What do you remember about this movie? I do remember seeing it in the theater. I remember enjoying it. I also think this might have been the first film, like, when it came out, it wasn't just about the film itself. Like, it was also about the movie business. So, like, there Mm -hmm. were two, like, this movie was in rivalry with two other films. If memory serves, Deep Impact came out a little bit earlier in the summer. I think it came out in May of, of 1998. And so I knew there were, like, two asteroid hitting the Earth films. But also... It came out, I know, I still remember that it came out on July 4th weekend. And the reason I remember that is that it was in competition with Godzilla, which I believe was Roland Emmerich. It was. And also, both of the, they were aware of both of these rivalries. That's yes. another funny thing about it. That is, is yes. Is there's, a, there's a not subtle in, not, I don't want to call it an in-joke. In no, it's not an in-joke. It's like, oh, I mean, it is an in-joke. You have to know about the existence of Godzilla. But I actually thought it was, you know, yes, in the first 20 minutes, like, there's a little Godzilla joke, and you actually, like, you know, see a dog attack a, an inflatable Godzilla. And it's clearly a winking nod to the fact right. of, yeah, we're in competition with this other film. And then the commentary track, there are a few <laughs> very pointed, <laughs> like, lines about Deep Impact. Hmm. <laughs> They were just super aware that that was what they were going to be compared to. And you know what? What movie do we still talk about today? <laughs> Although I want to do Deep Impact at some point. It's, it's not, not as good it, as Armageddon. It's not as good. It It is. It's different. Well, it is different. I remember it being not bad. And I, it's yeah. more serious, though. Like, it's yeah, actually a... trying to ask the question, like, how would we handle this? 
Right. It it's and and like there are some This movie by the way there. is not trying to answer that question. No, 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 no. There are no que- the only question asked in this movie is basically are you ready to rock? <laughs> So speaking of which, let's move on again. We want a brisk pace on this one because, you know, it's Armageddon. Yeah, a lot to cover, Um, too. Yeah, Anna, let's just get this part out of the way. Is Michael Bay a resident or soon to be a resident of Cancelvania? He lives on the border of Cancelvania. (laughs) Okay. And why is that? He has some very sketchy kind of history and sort of comments about women. He... Megan Fox, uh, obviously in the first Transformer movie, the very beautiful woman, was Mm -hmm. 15 when he cast her in Bad Boys. Bad Boys 2. To be fair, she was an extra, I think, in that. Oh, but he pulled her out. Oh, he did? Okay, all right. put her in a club and had her dance in a bikini under a waterfall. Right. And she was 15, you know. eh. And there's been some talk about how he treated her on set. Yeah. Uh, he did tell Kate Beckinsdale that he was casting her in Pearl Harbor because he didn't want someone too beautiful, which. What? Wow. What? <laughs> what? Oh, my God. Wow. Oh, now I want to do Underworld just and to then piss he off said, Michael Bay. But yes. And apparently in the same conversation that the reason why Kate Winslet worked in Titanic is because she wasn't too beautiful and women can identify with her. What in the I know. He's, he's mother kind of a dick. Like, I mean, let's just he's not a canceled person, but he's kind of a prick. Yeah, you know, he's, and there might be something somewhere, although it would have clearly emerged by now. I guess he's been around for such a long time. There yeah. is a oral history of Michael Bay and GQ, which I'll probably be pulling from all month. Ooh, OK. And one Jim in that is someone uh-huh. saying they can't imagine him with someone over 35. <laughs> well, he you know what, Anna? That just 50 means at the more... time of that quote. <laughs> okay, that just means he's somewhat more evolved than Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah, that's right. That's the way you have to think about it. That's right. Um, I should say, yes, 35 is actually in terms of like sketchy dudes. He's, you know, that's On the that's slightly more... Uh, the uh, slightly more flexible side of the sketchy dudes. Yes, yes that would be the way right. to put it. That's right. Yeah. So I'm not too worried about him. I'm not too worried about him getting canceled in the while we're doing this. Okay, that's good. That's so I good. feel feel like we have the month at least. All right, we've got the month. Let's, we should you know move on quickly. As I said, like we've got to we, we've got to make sure we maintain a, a tight pace on this. Now it should be pointed out that this is not just a Michael Bay film. Yep. There, I was surprised watching the credits after the Earth exploded. In which, how many familiar names were, you know, involved in this film? So so hit that with me, Anna. Oh, well, let's just name, I mean, Steve Buscemi is in this movie. Owen mm-hmm. Wilson is in this movie. Michael Duncan Clark is in this mm-hmm. movie. Jason Isaacs, as we yep. said. Billy Bob Thornton. Who else am I, who am I missing here? I feel like I'm missing a couple people. But what's really interesting is that, there's also an equal number of writers on the film. Right. I was a... actually thinking of the screenwriters. Oh, that were, okay. Well, yeah. yeah, the screenwriters. Sorry. So there's yeah. a, a murderer's row of actors and a murderer's row of screenwriters. Right. And, and by the way, screenwriters that I would not ordinarily think would work on the same project, just to be clear. Oh, no. No. There is Robert Town, who, of course, won right. an Oscar for Chinatown. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then Paul Anastasio, who wrote Donnie Brasco, among other things. Uh-huh. and. Friend of the pod, Tony Gilroy. 
Yeah. So Dan and JJ Abrams. and JJ Abrams as well. Yes. So Dan, do you want to uh, uh, you want to you want to guess how many Oscar nominations are are had between the cast and oh writers wow. of this movie? I will guess twenty. Oh, Dan. Well, it's sixteen. That's still pretty fucking oh, high. That I'm is high, though. Yeah. 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 Okay. So, I mean... Billy Bob Thornton, one Oscar, two nominations. Ben Affleck, two Oscars. Owen Wilson, an Oscar nomination. Michael DeClark Duncan, Oscar nomination. Robert Town, one Oscar, two nominations, or three if you count the nomination of his dog, <laughs> who is the credited screenwriter for Greystoke: Legend of Tarzan, which was somehow nominated for an Oscar. Paul Anastasio, two nominations, and Tony Gilroy, two nominations. So, you at know, some point we're gonna have to. At some point, once we've finished recording, you're gonna have to tell me more of the story about Robert Town's dog and Greystoke. That, I, it's it's kind of as simple as you might guess: is that he was not proud of his work, and he got a nomination. That's the and part. So that he I'd put like. his dog as the you know as you have to you have to have a credit, <laughs> right? Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. So he used his dog's name, and his dog okay. was nominated for an Oscar. That's so weird. yeah, it's a it's you know we. In some ways, it's not a miracle. This is so good, right? Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. it, it's one of those things. Like, when you look at the component parts, you're like, well, obviously, it's it's just it's good in this way, like the world's best hot dog or something, <laughs> like, or the world's best chili cheese fries. Yeah, it's, it's like not yeah. something you expect to be transcendent, right? But it's transcendent. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Also, I, I. Correct me if I'm wrong, Anna. I believe there's a commentary track <laughs> to this film. Is that correct? Yeah. Uh, there's a commentary track on this film because this film is in the Criterion Collection, <laughs> which there are theories <laughs> about why. Uh, you know, 400 Bolos, <laughs> the Sales Brothers it, documentaries, yep. uh, Kurosawa, and Armageddon. 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 <laughs> The commentary was recorded for the original DVD release, but it's gotten something of a second life because mm. it is in the Criterion Collection. Uh, uh, every once in a while, a very specific segment of it resurfaces. <laughs> yes. Dan, <laughs> shall we play that segment right now? Let, let's play a little bit from it. Okay. I asked Michael why it was easier to train oil drillers to become astronauts than it was to train astronauts to become oil drillers and he told me to shut 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 the fuck up so that, that was the end of that talk he was like you know ben just shut up okay you know this is a real plan all right i was like you mean it's a real plan at nasa to train oil drillers he was like just shut your mouth <laughs> see here's where we demonstrate that because bruce is going to tell the guys that they did a bad job of building the drill tank he did a piss. See, he's a salt of the earth guy, and the NASA nerdonauts don't uh, don't understand uh, his salt of the earth ways, his rough and tumble ways. Like somehow they can build rocket ships, but they don't understand like what makes a good tranny. <laughs> so that is, of course, Ben Affleck. <laughs> I will point out two years before the first time he went to rehab, twenty six years old, which wow. is. I mean, he looks young in the movie, but it is, I had to remind myself exactly how old he was. He was 25 when he won the Oscar for Goodwill Hunting, and he made this movie almost immediately after that. It wow. was his first huge Hollywood role. And what's remarkable about his part of the commentary is he, there's some very unfortunate parts of it, 
I will say. Oh. He does a, a Billy Bob Thornton sling blade imitation more than once. <laughs> Is that bad, though? I mean, that's, that was a distinctive voice, to be fair. It's, mm doesn't go it's not as funny as he thinks it is okay fair enough yes i'd say that but it's also he's really smart about Mm -hmm. filmmaking and has some really interesting insights he also says that this is the movie where he learned how important acting is so (laughs) it's a mixed bag and then michael bay so it's michael bay ben affleck jerry bruckheimer and Bruce Willis, and all of them contribute to how amazing it is. Uh, Bruce Willis is exactly kind of mm-hmm. who you think he is. He talks about the working man a fair amount, and he takes himself sure. a little more seriously than you kind of want him to. <laughs> <laughs> because, really, this is not a movie you should take seriously. This is a movie But you Jerry Bruckheimer and Michael Bay talk about the art of the best world's best hot dog. Here, the world's best chili fries. They get, they really get yeah. into it, and I cannot recommend more highly that people. If you are interested in this movie at all, it's. I had it on kind of like you'd have on a podcast, like all day yesterday and today, and it was delightful. And I will be quoting from it a fair amount. Excellent. On I I almost I I don't. Oh. I feel oh. bad even asking this question, but I I will a little bit like. I, the science in this film is not great, I'm assuming, you know. Well, we have a, a interplanetary defense wonk in our Discord. Ah. Billy West in space is his screen name. I assume that's probably yes. close to his, did, his real I, name. I and he asked he some, asked... some questions. And he yeah. real life yeah, works yeah. at least adjacent to some of these things. And he had a, a one funny story, which he said he confesses is not direct from sources at NASA, but... I want to believe it's true mm-hmm. that this movie is shown to people who are applying for jobs in space. So to see how many problems they can pick out, like. Oh, that's good. I, I like that. That's like like the test is yeah, can you I spot all of the true. errors that this like film what's is wrong okay, in this picture good. kind of thing. I hope that that's true. I hope it's true. I also kind of hope that at some point this gets replaced by Moonfall. <laughs> That's all I'm saying, you know. And it is not, I asked, is it like a cult classic among, you know, interplanetary defense folks? Because, <laughs> and yeah. you know, it's it's a favorite, but I wouldn't say a cult classic, he said. Um, <laughs> people kind of enjoy it. I, I did read one. There is a scientific paper on the problems posed by it and I won't get into the details. Mm-hmm. It was it was published in a scientific journal. And what would it take to blow up an asteroid? And the answer is far more than what is portrayed in this movie. <laughs> yes. At least an the asteroid the size of is Texas. We, you know, people would... care a lot about asteroids hitting the Earth. And NASA has a lot that of support true. for it. They don't spend a ton of money on it. But there is strong mm-hmm. congressional and public support for it. So... And I believe sometime in last year, we actually succeeded in, in aiming a satellite at an asteroid or yeah. at a mediator or something. We actually we put like one off t- course. We, you know, we're starting to collect nudge. data on this stuff. Yeah. So. Yep. Yeah. 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 I'm going to say know. one thing about the actual yeah. how did this get made part of this, which is that yeah. Michael Bay signed a two movie deal with Disney because he thought The Rock was going to fail. Oh, that's interesting. And he wanted to be sure huh. he had another movie coming. And then, of course, okay, I can't blame him for that. immediately regretted it because The Rock yeah. did great. Mm-hmm. And he couldn't find a movie he wanted to make at Disney. So he and co-screener John Hensley 
very according to him they sat down and, and john hensley was like what if we make he was like you know those horse shit asteroid movies what if we made a good one <laughs> hey you know yeah, what i like it yeah fair enough <laughs> and then uh totally he fair. he is and you will discover this in the commentary he is a workhorse he is a perfectionist in his own way mm. and he made a pitch to disney and they said okay and in the commentary he says they basically just greenlit it and gave him millions and millions of dollars like it's a hugely expensive movie all of it's on the screen like didn't waste yeah, a single like this, dollar uh, yes this is a quality it and it it holds up i would also add oh, after yeah. 25 years oh and like, he shot know, on film too by the way film. and he also is a perfectionist he uses his own lenses like he's he, we should, we, there's talk on the commentary about film rates and whatnot. So they gave him a green light and he was like, is it always going to be this easy? And I think for Michael <laughs> Bay, it probably has been. He makes those kinds I, of movies. All right. I guess the other thing that I was surprised by, and I, correct me if I'm wrong, I, I assumed a lot of this could have been was CGI. I mean, obviously some of it, a fair amount of CGI, but like, I thought like a lot of the NASA shots were CGI and they are not. Oh, no, like, no, 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 yeah. He got cooperation with the Air Force and NASA. And uh -huh. it is tempting to go into extreme detail here because I find this stuff fascinating, but he, he's the, I think first and maybe only director to film at the tank, that zero gravity buoyancy tank. Oh, okay. that is actually Ben Affleck in that tank. He is wearing wow. a real astronaut suit doing the real tank work in that shot. That is pretty cool. Yeah. Excellent. And also Excellent. they filmed at at a space shuttle that was going to launch like up in the gantry. Mm -hmm. And apparently Ben Affleck managed to slip inside the space shuttle for just a second. Yes, I heard he got he scolded, scolded for, that. for that. But I cannot blame him. How many, you know, he does he. No, I would have done the same thing. Yeah, I. He, again, he probably could be pretty him. sure he wasn't going to get arrested. So that's true. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. No, he had he had full cooperation, and of course he did because they. The movie does paint NASA in an extremely positive light. Yes. Yes. He did. There is a funny thing though. He confesses to almost a little disappointment with NASA because it's not quite as cool as he thought it was going to be. <laughs> Like he talked about, he's like, you know, it like smells like your mom's old TV and Ugh. they're just nerd. He like, basically they're nerds and they work in a government office. And so some of the stuff you see is not NASA because it wasn't cool enough. So, right. I think the shots of Houston don't look at all like, no, yeah, yeah, expect. yeah. Like the mission, but there control, is a shot. No, there's th no, no, there, but there is a shot where like, I think it's where, Oscar is like, you know, pretending yes. like he's at Mission Control. That is, yes. I've been in that room because like I've done the tour oh, of, of uh, Cape, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, like that is the right room. Like I was, that yes, was impressive. Yes, the only room that is real is the one that's kind of a joke. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. All right. You know, we keep, we're, but, 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 no, nothing's exploded recently, Dan. Nothing, oh, like, yeah, all right, bang, right. bang, bang, bang. Let's get to Chekhov's What's It? Uh, this is the thing that appears in the first act of the book or the film that might play a role later on. Anna, I've got Chekhov's mission badge. I like it, and I'm going with Chekhov's Russian, <laughs> which enough. I'm proud of. He does play a role. I did like Lev also. Oh yeah. Uh, oh no, he's Peter Stormare is is again fantastic in this film. There, like, you know. the acting is very very good. <laughs> yes, yeah, it is, especially given the wild implausibility of what is happening. Yeah. Like you know, I I and, and I when I yeah. want to talk a little more about that later. But boom, 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 okay. smash, smash, smash. <laughs> 
Let's start All this right. podcast off like the movie starts off. Let's get to the plot. Act one. Bay's world. Bay's world. It's party time. It's excellent. Okay, sorry. It's just a typical day in the 1990s when a meteor shower destroys the space shuttle Atlantis and wreaks havoc in Manhattan and indeed across the eastern seaboard. NASA figures out that it's actually debris from a rogue asteroid that's the size of Texas and on a collision path with the Earth in 18 days. It's what we call a global killer, Anna. That's a technical term. Uh, it's also too big for a surface detonation of nukes to do too much. The NASA nerdonauts figure out that the best way to save the planet is to launch the shuttle, land it on the asteroid, drill to 800 feet, and then explode a nuke from the inside. NASA Director Truman calls around and discovers that the world's best deep core driller is one Harry Stamper. At that particular moment, Harry is in an offshore rig in the South Pacific, and I guess you could say he's in something of a mood. His brightest employee, AJ, keeps making decisions with his gut, and only Harry is allowed to do that on the rig. Plus, Harry learns that AJ is sleeping with his daughter, Grace. Everything is a mess until the Air Force comes to collect Harry and brief him on the emergency. When he learns that NASA's plan is to use astronauts to drill, he suggests that he and his crew launch with the shuttle instead. Truman agrees. Because, yeah, well, that totally makes as sense. As let... Ben said, Bay told him, that yes. is the plan. <laughs> I did like, I have to say, Affleck's impersonation of Michael Bay actually sounded to me a little more like Quentin Tarantino, but whatever. But, you know, like... Ben Affleck is very le re legitimately amusing when he talks. He about is, this. and he, then he went on to make Merle Harbor. That is what I kept thinking. <laughs> is that he? So anyway, yeah. Yeah, boom, 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 boom. Two thoughts about this first act. First, there's a lot going on in here. I mean, in the first 25 minutes, Bay gives us the following: first, prehistoric Earth being destroyed by an asteroid, and narrated by Charlton Heston. Yep. Then the shuttle blows up. Then New York gets pummeled. Then everyone is freaking out about the asteroid, and then the offshore drilling rig that all the characters are on almost explodes. It's like this for almost the entire film, Anna. There is, like, very little let-up in this film. There are not many slow moments. There's maybe one that I can think of. And also, I think we need to talk about Bay's logic. I think my favorite line in this part is Chick telling Harry at one point, Whoa, whoa, Harry, it's getting real. To indicate that firing a shotgun on an oil rig has its charms, but now things might be going too far. And indeed, later on in that scene, when the oil rig almost explodes, Harry tells AJ, someone could have gotten killed out here today, which is odd since Harry was shooting at AJ before that. You know, after firing a gun at him, he says that. Yeah. It's absurd, but the adrenaline rush still feels so good. Yeah, he says someone could have gotten killed today and it would be on your conscience. Right. AJ. So like... So you know it it's amazing it it does you know slap you back in your seat right away i uh -huh. i marked the very first person running with an explosion behind them happens like minute 10 or something like that right in new york i'm assuming yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. minute two or 10 or yeah. something it's early mm -hmm. and then there is a scene on the rig of affleck jumping with an explosion right behind his head <laughs> which he notes in his commentary like that was his you know he thought i i, I finally arrived like, yes there you go <laughs> <laughs> and this is also a place to say that michael bay cares a lot about his movies 
like yeah. on every level. And you and I talk about this a fair amount, surprisingly, perhaps for a show that's sort of just about sci-fi and, and politics. We, we talk about the art of movie making and how much it matters that people care. And yeah. they care like that. He They shot on an oil rig, you know. Oh, wow. Okay. All of that pipes falling and stuff is real. And mm -hmm. in terms of like the pace of the movie, he thinks about, oh, we haven't had an explosion lately. <laughs> I, I'm not kidding. Like there is. <laughs> I'm, I'm just thinking about like, what is it like the, the average teenage boy thinks about sex like once every like eight seconds or something. Yeah. I, I think about that with Michael Bay and explosions, basically. He might think about sex that often, too. You know, I mean, yeah, there's, there's, there's this sublimation of, of, of sex and explosions, you know, like. Yeah, I, we'll get to that in a little bit, actually. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of getting to it, bang, bang, bang. All right. Act two, the right stuff. Harry gets his crew together. AJ, Bear, Chick, Max, Rockhound, Oscar, Noonan. And they start training with the NASA pilots, Sharp and Watts, as well as Ordnance Specialist Gruber, and the other guys who don't get as long of a camera shot and are probably going to die later on. It goes about as well as you would expect. AJ proposes to Grace, and Harry keeps thinking that she's too good to marry a roughneck. After another meteor shower hits Shanghai, the world learns about the coming asteroid. The team launches in... Yeah. That Shanghai thing is... One of the places where in the commentary he's like, and I figured we need an explosion here. It's a whole, he's like, it's a whole, there's like a whole half hour without one. So, and, by the way, that I, is, I, yeah, yeah. By the way, I have to say that is the least convincing Shanghai ever. It also demonstrates how much China has changed in the last 25 years because it's a very like odd looking China. But or, you know, it Shanghai. was so part of it. And one of the reasons is it was first built in miniature and they were going to do the uh, FX in miniature. And then he had it built at scale and destroyed it oh, that way. Oh, wow. Like, okay. he just, he, you, you said about the CGI. Like I meant, to, I meant to say this there, which is that there is CGI in this movie. And there's some very good CGI right. that totally holds yeah, up. Yeah, there is. But yeah. he is a connoisseur. Like he is, he is an expert at figuring out where you can use that and where you can't. And he tries to use the real you know, uh, practical stuff whenever and he can. I got to tell you, I appreciate that preference because I think as a general rule, I think you and I are in agreement here that yeah. CGI has its place in a lot of these films. But like, if you rely on it too much, it winds up weirdly becoming unreal. And this movie yeah. does actually, you know, the effects really do hold up. And I think part of it is because a lot of them were practical. Yeah. All right. So the team launches in two X-71 shuttles, the Independence and the Freedom. They launch nearly simultaneously from Cape Canaveral, a thing that I'm totally sure could happen on them. Mm. Uh, yeah. They dock with the Russian space station Mir, manned by one Lev Andropov to refuel. Russian technology proves to be a wee bit outdated and a fire breaks out. Truman orders the shuttles to take off even though AJ is trapped inside Mir, but, but, oh, sorry. Oh, actually, I need to correct you, Dan. <laughs> you threw me off because like, you went like Because I was sorry. pretending to be trapped inside, inside okay, a yeah, yeah, yeah. space shuttle. They don't call it Mir because uh -huh. they were worried that Mir might, something might happen actually to explode. it. Actually explode? And oh, so... that, that was actually, you know what? Not that, that was an understandable fear because by that point, I mean, as they say it, this might have been accurate. I don't know, yeah. but like it, it, it's at least, you know. Like 15 years, 11 years? It was 11 years, yeah. they say. Like it's older than most cars. And yeah, so like Mir was probably pretty yeah, wicked. So they didn't want to jinx it, basically. Ah, uh, you know so what? They Good just keep, them. they just refer to it as the Russian space station. Okay. <laughs> yes. Anyway. And I can pretend to be trapped in it again. <laughs> I was just no, no, no. for, for, for we'll people just... listening I was just doing a little miming of being trapped in a space station so yes, try to help was, Dan Elon method it was, method it was quite arresting 
Truman orders the shuttle to take off, even though AJ is trapped inside the Russian space station, but he and Lev are able to join the Independence just in time. Phew! The shuttles slingshot around the moon and come up from behind the asteroid. Unfortunately, the tail debris has not been eliminated by the moon's gravity, as Truman had hoped, and their journey to the main asteroid is harrowing. Independence gets hit and loses attitude control, crashing into the asteroid and killing everyone but AJ, Bear, and Lev. Freedom lands safely, but overshoots their target by quite a ways. Anna, I, I'm trying to describe this film, and I feel like I'm letting everyone down with the plot description because it doesn't do justice to some of these sequences. Both the the scene, you know, the the sequence on the Russian space station, and the one where they try to land on the asteroid are still just tremendously fun. You know, they're actually like great action. And I think the difference between this and something like Deep Impact, which is a far more serious look at the same idea, is that. Armageddon is shot so beautifully and so kinetically that you just accept it on a primal level. It is beautiful and kinetic and completely unlike what anything in the real world would 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 feel like, you know. Right. I mean, which wouldn't be very exciting. I think an asteroid hitting the earth would be there there would not not be excitement in this way. <laughs> We would just all no. die. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Like, well, I mean, you know, unless you obviously succeeded, but like, you know, I mean, no, you're right. This it on the on one level, this film is ridiculously unrealistic. Right. And there's there's all sorts of plot holes that we will get to at various times. I suspect when we get to the debris field. At the same time, moment to moment, it is an arresting film to watch. Yeah. It's just yeah. Yeah, and the thing is, you know, the end of the world is. I think some of us have discovered over these past few years. The end of the world can be kind of just depressing and boring. Right. And it just, you know, you get beat to death day by day by day. It This is really exciting end of the world stuff. This is like... <laughs> this is like Deep Blue Hero stuff. This is like Deep Blue Hero stuff. And I, I want to point out here that, that you mentioned Deep Impact. And it, it comes up in the commentary. There's one particular swipe where he's talking about the special effects on the on the asteroid and looking back at the Earth. And he says, you look at Deep Impact and it's pure bad CG because they <laughs> built a fucking set for the asteroid. They right. used one of the largest sound stages there is in the country. And then Bay made it bigger. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that sentence, Anna, I think encapsulates what Bayperl is going to be like, I think, for us. So, yes, fair enough. And and he's just he. His work ethic is amazing. He he mm -hmm. got people to take roles in part because he had it storyboarded and he had like samples of the stuff he wanted to do. The spacesuits that they wear, the what mm -hmm. they they describe as new spacesuits, were a million dollars to develop and had their own like lights and their own air systems and were basically almost functional spacesuits, right? Wow. And I think that's the other reason why it it feels different. Like it everything in this movie is going towards the audience experience, right? Right. Like, Michael Bay, whatever we think of him, he mm -hmm. is thinking about nothing but how much an audience is going to enjoy this movie. And well done. Yeah. I mean, like, again, this is, this is, a, this is the definition of a crowd pleaser. Yeah. Uh, uh, he does say a couple, I mean, he does say, like, you know, he, he's, and he's honest about it. He says what his, his grandfather always told him, you can make money if you sell stuff to middle America. And, <laughs> and that does that tends to be true. And he knows like his, his primary audience is like fourteen and fifteen year old kids. Yeah. And <laughs> it works. Mostly boys, I would And imagine. he thinks like them and they love it, and he's you know, a gajillionaire. So boom, boom. boom. <laughs>
All right, let's get to Act 3. I see a bad moon rising. AJ, Bear, and Lev get on their armadillo and go looking for the Freedom Shuttle. Meanwhile, the drilling ain't going too good over at the Independence. After two hours, they've drilled less than 10% of their targeted depth. Commander Sharp informs Houston of their lack of progress, and the president orders secondary protocol. By the way, I just love it when Keith David says secondary protocol. It's like, you know, it just, it, like, it's the voice. It just works so well. We don't secondary know what it is, but it's bad. And then, it, and yes, then we, exactly. And then we learn what it is. And it is Truman, bad. get your men out of there. Secondary protocol. Yeah. Anyway, secondary protocol in this case is remote detonating the nuke on the surface. Harry and Chick see the timer start on the nuke, and after learning about secondary protocol, overpower Sharp and Gruber. Harry promises Sharp that it'll hit his depth. Sharp relents pretty quickly, actually, and disarms the nuke. They continue to drill, but Rockhound develops space dementia and needs to be restrained. Anna, I'm pretty sure there is no such thing as space dementia. Am I correct in that? I don't. I mean, I too good to too good to check. I don't know. <laughs> okay, fair. I enough. do think I, I can't tell. They did have that happen so that he could shoot the gun. Okay, I am, which is totally fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A gas pocket in the asteroid explodes, and they lose the armadillo and Max along with it. It looks like the Earth is in for some bad news. And then, out of nowhere, AJ and the other armadillos show up on the horizon. They start drilling, and thanks to AJ trusting his gut and Harry trusting AJ, they punch a hole 800 feet in and get ready to detonate the nuke. Anna, I've taken some English classes. I've done some creative writing on my own. Maybe I'm crazy, but can we play the audio just where they are about to hit the depth of the asteroid? If you insist. Dig. Chew this iron bitch up. Check the tranny stuck. Hey! What is it? Okay. No, no, Okay, is this scene only about drilling an asteroid, or could there perhaps be some sexual undertones to this script? Literally, in my notes, Anna, I wrote, they did it, they fucked the asteroid. I don't think you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I did find this to be surprisingly unhomoerotic as far as these films go. Oh, I don't think it's homoerotic. Oh, you, oh, clear. the asteroid's a girl. <laughs> That's what you're saying. Yes. The, the asteroid is definitely a girl. Okay. Let's be very clear about this. All right. I I, I think that here, much like uh, Young Boys, Michael Bay, I think there is both sex everywhere and nowhere, right? Yeah. Like, it is the undertone of everything, but also he really does love the explosions. And he probably thinks he loves just the explosions because they're just the explosions. <laughs> Fair enough. I mean, but literally, there's at one more point going they... on than just explosions. Yeah, I mean, sure. to be and yes, and I want to be very clear. I it, the asteroids grow. Like at one point, they literally say, "Chew this iron bitch up." Oh, that's true. You know, that's true. 
That's true. It's 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 definitely not homoerotic. It's it's heteroerotic or whatever. <laughs> the, the, you know, I, it's just fucking Dan. I don't yeah. think your gender <laughs> even really matters. That's that's actually you know what that actually is is probably correct. Yeah. All right, <laughs> move move. All move. right, some more explosions. All right, let's go finish up with Act Four. All's well that blows up well. As they're trying to put the bomb in the hole, a rock storm causes general mayhem on the asteroid, killing Gruber and damaging the trigger on the bomb. This means that someone is going to have to stay behind and detonate it in person. AJ draws the short straw, but Harry sabotages his oxygen supply and takes his place. Harry and Grace have a tearful goodbye on via satellite, and Harry gives his blessing to her marrying AJ. Freedom takes off. Harry loses the actual physical trigger after an earthquake, but manages to get it back and detonate the nuke just in time before Zero Barrier, thereby saving the world. Freedom lands in Florida, and Grace and Truman are magically teleported from Houston so they can welcome the crew home. Chick reconciles with his ex-wife and estranged son. That was actually pretty touching. I actually, yeah. like, like I, that was the one time I actually felt real emotion. And as the credits roll, AJ and Grace marry with the portraits of Harry, Oscar, and Noonan looking on. Okay, Anna, let's get to the performances. Which astronaut performance was your favorite, and why is the answer Owen Wilson as Oscar? He, and I mean this, like, again, credit to Michael Bay. I would not have thought big blow em up asteroid movie, oh yeah, we totally got to put Owen Wilson in this, and yet it works. He's like like the perfect spice for a souffle or something. Uh, Bottle Rocket had just come out, uh, uh. and apparently Bay saw it and was like, we need him. And wow. this is where we can talk about the acting. Bay has yeah. great taste in actors. Like, he does. He doesn't seem like he would. And there's a lot mm -hmm. of actors that complain about working with him, like mm -hmm. various like work schedule stuff. And right. he's can be, yeah. he has a temper. Michael Duncan Clark called him a chihuahua who's like yapping all the time. <laughs> to be fair, everyone is a chihuahua that to Michael Duncan Clark. That I'm is sure. true. You know, yeah. But he has both excellent taste in actors and according to Ben Affleck, who, again, I, I'm very curious about their relationship. That's, <laughs> that's what I'll say. He yeah. lets the actors do their thing. He does like yeah. five minute takes. He loves mm. improvisation. He tell he gives sort of general direction. He lets people try things like five different ways. Hmm. The scene of Affleck and Bruce Willis saying goodbye to each other when Affleck is like trapped back in the air airlock and he says oh right yeah yeah yeah. i love you and it's he's yeah. like ha and it, it's i think that's actually pretty affecting yeah no it's well. good it's actually it's, again it's good acting yeah affleck talks about how like you know the way that it's written in the way that it seemed like you should do it is a fairly like you know stiff upper lip like the cool guy you know mm -hmm. you, you're less of a hero if you like freak out right? right and he decided it would be more real and also this logic is really good that willis is the hero he gets to be the stiff upper lip guy and yeah. he he should have a freak out and kind of highlight how how Harry's doing the right thing and doing it you know hmm. with with as it were grace and Aww. so he he has good taste he gets good performances and that is the mortar of this movie right yeah and maybe mm -hmm. that's why his other movies don't rise to this level is that this is the movie where he had all of his perfectionist um, obsessive uh, instincts about the mechanics of the movie, which are incredibly important, right. and murderous row the... of actors. Yeah. No, I mean, that's absolutely fair. And yes. who is the I best? I honestly have trouble saying. So the, my top two. Okay. I would say Will Patton. Yes. 
he is he is like i, I cried i, I literally cried yeah i well yeah. teared like i teared up the right. scene with yeah, his yeah. kid where yeah. he has like three lines yeah. right i know like he's and, and really like that's the thing about chick and like I, the 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 ratio of like what will Patton puts into each line reading in this film because he doesn't have a ton of them but like he's both good on the comedy and the drama he's really good in this film yeah so i would say uh will Patton or billy bob thornton He's not yes. an astronaut. He's not an he astronaut. He gets a but, mission patch, but right. he ground literally grounds this movie. No, that's the thing. Like, actually, I would argue Billy Bob Thornton is the most important actor in this film because yeah. the 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 drillers are all like a little bit off. Yeah, and you need at least one character who thinks like a NASA nerd or not, as it were. And like, he manages to sort of bridge that. And it's actually funny because like, he does it throughout the film. Like in the very first part of the film, like he's the only one who can speak to the president in a way that the president will understand. And then he's able to speak to the drillers in a way that they'll understand. So he's just really great. And he yeah. provides the right level of gravity and gallows yeah. humor. And he, mm-hmm. he just, he, he, without him, the movie would fall apart. I do think Owen Wilson is great. I think Steve Buscemi is great. See, after yeah. I Patton and Thornton, then I have trouble rating them. Right. I think actually, Apple's I would go with too. Peter and, and Peter Willis. Stormare also. Yes. Like as Lev, very good. Yeah. Yep. And yep. I no, they're I, all good. I think the, I will say something about that final scene. I could put him in debris field, but it's too funny. Yeah. So commentary track: Bruckheimer, Bay, and Affleck all take credit for that final scene, the wedding playing over the oh, credits. Really? I'm pretty okay. sure it was Affleck, though, <laughs> because <laughs> the way he tells the story, both Buckheimer and, my, and Bay are like, well, you really need a good ending. It's nice to see it all tied up. Da, 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 da. It was uh, Ben Affleck's Super 8 camera. Oh, wow. And also they did really like have a little like, you know, it, it, since it's silent and stuff, they were goofing around with each other. And you see it in the in the footage. They had a cake fight <laughs> and it was a real cake fight. And oh, good for the end of the cake fight, they they pasted Michael Bay, <laughs> which uh, Affleck said was quite satisfying. So. <laughs> good for them. Oh, I also want to point out that a lot of the actors in this movie are also writers. And I think that's another reason why it works. That's correct. So, I mean, Ben Affleck obviously won an Oscar. Billy Bob Thornton. Owen Wilson. A, uh, screenwriter. Steve yeah, Buscemi. Yeah, that's totally fair. Yeah. Good point. Okay. Okay, Dan. Yes. Question. Go ahead. First, I, I guess we need an explosion. Oh. And speaking of explosions, is there IR in this movie? Anna, do you think it's possible that anyone else in the world is asking this very same question at this very same moment? I think so, because there are actually a lot of podcasts out there, so probably someone is. <laughs> but my answer is that there is just the simplest bits of IR out there. And what is the simplest bit? It's hegemonic stability theory time, motherfuckers. You know, in the 1997, when this movie comes out, the United States was the undisputed global hegemon. Hegemons have an incentive to supply global public goods in a way that would not necessarily be the case in a multipolar world order. Because if you're that large, you will actually derive significant benefits from providing global public goods. And because everyone else has an incentive to free ride off of the hegemon, and hey, that's kind of what they do in this film. I mean, Lev literally gets a free ride, you know, back from the Russian space station back to home. But like one of the striking things about this film is that it is so ridiculously American. (laughs) There is like 
barely a mention of cooperation with like French and Japanese space programs. There's the the token Russian. Other than that, this is entirely American. And to be fair, this is the kind of public good in terms of global public goods where all you need is someone's best effort. Like all you have to have is someone do this. No one else has to do anything. And so that's perfect for, you know, a hegemon, particularly one that is relatively wary of multilateralism. I suppose you could also talk in terms of IR about how bureaucracies work with in terms of redundancies. And, you know, in that president's speech where he talks about Armageddon, he references how even the wars have helped drive the technological innovation needed to destroy this asteroid. But Anna, I'm already dumber than when we started recording this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't think we really actually want to go there. It's mostly about hegemonic stability theory. And explosions. And explosions. <laughs> so, Anna, I have a question for you. Mm, Dan. Is there a critique of capitalism in this film? Dan, imagine yes. a firecracker in the palm of your hand. <laughs> You set it off, what happens? You burn your hand. <laughs> you close your fist around the same firecracker, and that is what this movie does to critiques of capitalism. <laughs> My hand, I don't know what happened. There is You've not- you lost the ability I've to critique capitalism lost after the ability to critique capitalism. Okay. It is a celebration of capitalism to its core. Uh, Michael oh, Bay yeah. is a started his career as a directing commercials, and mm -hmm. one would argue he still directs them. I sent you there's a <laughs> there is a supercut of every product placement ever in Michael Bay films, and it's a long supercut. <laughs> he talks about it in the in the commentary track. He he mentions he put a tag hewer clock in there, and he says uh, so. And that's seventy five thousand dollars I could have made I could have used to make a clock myself. But I put it into making my very cool psych set. And then he says, you know, and he was, this is during the animal cracker scene, as people uh, might recall. Yes. He says, uh, I don't care. They were in a BMW. Maybe it's not right for the character, but I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> At one point, you know, Ben Affleck talks about those scenes that there's such the golden you know, Americana scenes. Yeah. And he says, you know, it looks kind of like a Miller Genuine Draft commercial, but I like those commercials. Yep. And that is what this movie is. And it, it punches all the same buttons. I mean, Michael Bay is very good at it. He talks about his he talks about his commercial work throughout the commentary. It is clear mm -hmm. he sees no space between. No contradiction. He, no contradictions. Yeah. And also the it's just the same stuff. It, and again, like I, I tend to think it's right because actually, again, this. And, and I want to point out, like, there's sort of, there's, he's a, he makes yeah. commercials, this movie is a commercial, and also, there is, to the extent there is politics in this movie. <laughs> oh, yeah. It is, you know, there's a laugh line about not paying taxes. Right. Bruce Willis talks about the United States of America, like, a fair amount. Mm -hmm. Like, it is, it is a pro-America, pro-capitalism movie to its core. It is. I, I want to say two things about this. First, we're going to talk about this a little more as we go on, because I think Michael Bay gets a little more conspiratorial about the United States in his later work. Yeah. And it, it's not here, though. Oh, no. No, it's not here. No, no, it's very <laughs> gunpowder. But the other thing is, is that you, the commercial work, I think, really actually helps this film, because like 
one of the things he does incredibly well, it's just these interstitial shots of like the world reacting mm-hmm. to whatever is going on in terms of the asteroid. And they are all shot so goddamn well. Oh. Like, it's just like 10 second clips. And like, it. And it, Dan, those are on location. Great filmmaking. He did those on location. Yeah. Like, all this stuff, like, yeah. in Paris, he, like, apparently, like, was in France for something else. And he's like, oh, better shoot this. And he takes his, like, It hammer. was the Cannes Film Festival. Yeah, Con- yeah, yeah he apparently right. went, like, to the Cannes. Uh, yeah, and yeah. He has yeah. His, and he went to Turkey as well, and I think, and Turkey, shot and there. Also. A, yeah. he, he, he says, you go to the poorest neighborhood in the world, absolute best place to shoot. You pick people out of the crowd, <laughs> tell them not to look at the camera, and they don't. You never get that in America. <laughs> Marveling. But, yep, but it works for the film. Works for it the does. film. He's dedicated. I, I I have trouble not you got you not respecting just how much he fucking cares. No, you you admire the craft. Yeah. I mean and I you know and Again, it, it's what separates a film like this from a film like The Core, which we had talked about before, which has its strengths, but is uh, much more of a mess. This movie, plot-wise, makes about as much sense as The Core, and yet it is so much better. We talked about how in The Core, we can't imagine someone really wanting to get it made. Michael no. Bay wanted to make this movie very badly. Exactly. Very, very yeah. badly. And I believe it was contagious. Uh, there's a there's a brief anecdote in one of the pieces I read about Billy Bob Thornton. Steve Buscemi and one of the other Oscar winners, <laughs> <laughs> maybe Owen Wilson, sitting around for yeah. a table read and going, what the fuck are we doing here? <laughs> and then they all clearly, ever afterwards, everyone's like, it was a great set. We had so much fun. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's a coincidence. It was almost entirely male, except for yeah, Liv Tyler. Tyler, who I think was also good, by the way. I mean, she yeah. doesn't have a yeah. lot to do, but she, no. she's good. Yeah. And so I think that he, I think he just when you really care that much, you can get a yeah. lot of people to go along with what you're doing. Michael Bay would make a good cult leader, I think. <laughs> I think. It's just chorded notes, like people singing, leaving yes. on a jet plane in the middle of an airplane. We got a lot of. We got a lot of questions, frankly, about how much how much people didn't like Ben Affleck. Yeah. And I got to say, I think Otto and I are not into that. I, I liked Ben Affleck in this movie, and I really liked his discussion on the commentary. He's very track. pretty. So He's very, yes. very pretty in this movie. And also, I have a soft spot. You can see why Liv Tyler goes for I have it, a yeah. soft spot for the recovering alcoholics. And he, you know, he is apparently not like a super, super nice guy all the time in hollywood sure uh, matt damon well who is anna I matt mean, damon yeah. has actually an incredible <laughs> reputation like i promised yeah, i okay. wouldn't go into detail in this story but i was in a movie and oh were you in a movie in a movie and oh wow it was downsizing and yep. matt damon and i was not on the same on at the same time as matt damon but i was in that when i was having my makeup done i asked yeah. i was like so Ladies, always talk to the makeup ladies. If you're ever in a place where there are makeup ladies, yep. they know, they know everything. everything. So I was like, so, you yep. know, how is what's it been like? Like, what Matt, what's Matt Damon like? And they were just gushing. They were like, oh, my God, he's so great. Remembers oh. everyone's name. He brought his wife. She's fantastic. And oh. then I was like, say, have you ever worked with Ben Affleck? And they all were like, oh, Ben Affleck. <laughs> Do you know how long it takes to cover that stupid tattoo on his back? 
And what oh, I loved dear. about this conversation is they went on about it. And also they got into the techniques of what you use to cover it. Because apparently, like, it's a thing. Like, in Hollywood, Hollywood makeup ladies are like, yeah. how did you deal with Ben Affleck's tattoo? <laughs> <laughs> I bet there's a somewhere on the dark web, there's, like, the, the secret and formula for dealing with What's also ben funny tattoo. is they all take it, they seem to have taken it very personally that he got it. Because they were like... Who does that to their body? Yes, it's his body and everything, but they're like, every time he's in a movie, every mm -hmm. time, it takes like eight hours, someone has to go in and do this makeup work on his back. Oof, that does sound very long. And it's every time. So, okay. but like I said, I have a soft spot for him. I think probably when he's in his right mind, when he's, when he's working a program, I bet he's a pretty good dude. So we're skipping that questions, but we are, Billy Weston Space did ask us and pointed out that the Outer Space Treaty does prohibit the placement of nukes in orbit or on celestial bodies. <laughs> Would there be diplomatic consequences if the U.S. used nukes like they do in Armageddon? And Billy Weston Space, my answer is, you're, first of all, you're absolutely right. The Outer Space Treaty does obligate parties not to place any objects carrying nuclear weapons in orbit, on the moon, or on other celestial bodies. They would totally throw AJ under the bus with this. He would get put into space jail. I I feel bad. I feel bad. Like it it would be tough, but like yeah, they would they would all be arrested. Know. You know, I, they would never pay taxes again. At least, yeah. But like, I, I I think exceptions might be made. Exceptions are made for rich people all the time, and I assume <laughs> by the end of this little ex 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 expedition expedition expedition. That's also a word I invented. He would probably be pretty wealthy. I think in all seriousness, like this is one of those things where A, most countries would be okay in with all it. Seriousness, and B, because even yeah. if they weren't, what were they gonna do about it exactly? Like well, you know, it's very you, difficult you to enforce space the jail. Space... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Space jail is the space thing. Jail. I wanna I, you know what? Remind me, we gotta pitch Michael Bay on space jail. Yeah. Basically, like breaking out of space jail. Too bad that Tony be... Gilroy already did an amazing oh, space jail. Damn it, you're right. Yeah. Yeah, but a Michael Bay version would be I different. I wonder what parts Tony Gilroy wrote. <laughs> oh. oh my god, it's, it's Robert the size of basketballs and Volkswagens. Oh, oh basketballs and Volkswagens. Oh my god. Oh, Jeez. Ping, ping, oh it's ping, the debris ping, field. Ping, ping. Dan, I don't know how we're going to finish this podcast. <laughs> it, it, the debris of this have? field is the size of Texas. There is a shit ton of debris. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Do you want me to go first? Uh, you go ahead. Sure. Okay. First, this isn't a huge thing, and I don't even know if this is real, but there's that iconic shot in this film of all the astronauts walking, like, you know, and it's clearly designed to evoke the right stuff. Yeah. Right before that, as they are getting into what I think is was apparently a real NASA thing that takes them to the shuttle. Yeah. I don't know if you noticed this. Did you notice there was a red carpet oh, that they nice. were walk, supposed to walk on? Yeah. Like, I don't know if that's actually true or not, but I laughed when I saw that red carpet. It makes no goddamn sense, but whatever. Sure. Okay. What do you got? So I have to tell this story at some point. Michael Bay, this is, people might not already know this story, but so he said he loves shooting those, what he calls hero shots, which are very like, you know, under the chin, like ah, people yeah, yeah, kind of yeah. framed by a big space behind them. And Ben Affleck, hero of the movie. Unfortunately, when they started filming Michael Bay, a quote, he had uh, baby teeth and got to do something about those baby teeth. And he was talking to Jerry Bruckheimer. What are we going to do about Ben Affleck's baby teeth? And Jerry Bruckheimer is like, well, you know what we did in this plane movie? We fixed that guy's teeth. 
And so we'll fix Ben Affleck's teeth. And so Ben Affleck indeed had his teeth fixed for this movie. Apparently Michael Bay fixed him up with his dentist. For a while there was wondering who could it be that had his teeth fixed for a Jerry Bruckheimer movie. But what plain movie has Jerry Bruckheimer made, Dan? I'm trying to think. It's Top Gun. Was... Oh, go of course. And if oh, you look so wait, at Tom pictures, if you look at Tom pictures from Tom Cruise from like The Outsiders wow. to Top Gun, his teeth are different. <laughs> his teeth are okay. a lot better. So you know what? Good for good for both of yeah, them. So like I'm glad their teeth are in better ben shape. Ben Affleck had Excellent. baby teeth. I just I'm always going to yeah. remember words baby teeth. Yeah. Okay, so I, I feel bad picking on the continuity of the film, but I'm going to keep. Oh. I'm going to raise this up, like. At various times, Truman and Grace after the shuttle's launch are either in Florida at Cape Canaveral or they're in Johnson Space Center in Houston. And it's never entirely clear, like, how they get from point A to point B. Like, it, it, you know, particularly after they blow up the shuttle, they're both in Houston. And then, like, a minute later, they're landing and somehow they're in Florida. That was the part that, like, I found particularly dubious. Sorry. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. Speaking of not the biggest speaking thing, dubiousness, yeah, there was a science advisor on this movie. <laughs> I will not name him because I believe that he doesn't deserve our ridicule. He probably already lives in shame, but there was a science advisor. Okay. And Michael Bay <laughs> also, oh, but there also was a rest, uh, an astronaut on the on set, oh, uh, Joe okay, sure. Allen. Yeah, yeah. And okay. I think we are both in agreement that Ben Affleck's best moments in the commentary when he imitates... Michael Bay. Yes. And uh, he does a few exchanges between Michael Bay and the astronaut who tried <laughs> to tell him that that wouldn't work that way. But it's funny. And Michael Bay didn't want Perfectionist to Bay. It's not, it's not fidelity to reality that he's a perfectionist about. <laughs> it's fidelity to truthiness. <laughs> that is correct. What else you got? I did laugh again watching it again when you see secondary protocol and suddenly like the doors open and all the military dudes come out. I kept wondering how long were they waiting to be called? Like I kept having this image of like all of them sitting in like the green room, you know, like smoking or something like, okay, are we going to get called? Like when are we going to get beeped? Like what's going on here? Like it was just, again, it's one of these things where it looks amazing. And then if you think about it, like how do they manage to all enter at the exact same time? It was just very funny. I will point out that there are parts of this movie that have not aged well. Most of them have to do with Steve Buscemi's character. Yeah, yeah. References to ha ha having sex with underage girls. With underage girls, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hilarious. Yep. yep. I didn't know how old she were. Kind of jokes. So those, I we will just we we sped right over those. We just didn't talk about them. Yeah, if we're gonna, so I'll, my thing was like, if we're gonna talk about the psychosexual weirdness, like there's a scene where like you know you see AJ and and Grace making out and like you see it from Harry's perspective. Oh, that is and how God. That's yeah. No, I have that. Harry in. lingers way too much. Is is that that was that was I just was creepy? And ask then you as a dad. Then, no, like if <laughs> let, me, let me let me show you exactly. You know, I I can't show the listeners how the da- I, as a dad would react, but I can tell you if I saw that. I would run the fuck the other way as soon as humanly I mean, possible. That's the way like I, feel I about do not want seeing to... parents kiss. I mean, yeah. like <laughs> I'm not going to stay and watch that. Yeah. So And also by the way, the next scene in which like all of, you know, the other roughnecks tell Harry that Grace is a hottie, also really weird. Like I could, you know, like not something you would say, yeah, that part is not yeah, aged well. Yeah. What else you got? 
You know, I guess this is just another a leftover compliment, but in the last act, when they're on the asteroid and the top clock is ticking, literally, yeah. I, they yeah. move too slow for me. Like, I was kind of <laughs> like, come on, Harry, like, chop, chop. You want them to hurry up and press yeah, the button. Just, press the button, chop, Harry. Just get, yep. get move faster. Yep. Get everything into position. What are you doing? Why are you talking? <laughs> yep. You start thinking like Michael Bay. You do it's, start thinking like Michael totally My last thing, and, you know, Maybe not, again, the most politically correct thing to say, but like in my version of this universe, there's a brief moment where they, they're trying to launch the shuttle and the shuttle won't work. And if you remember, Lev like pushes Watts aside and, you know, like starts banging on the, the equipment and then finally it fires up again. All I can say is Watts gives Lev a look when he, she do, when he does that. And Anna, they are totally going to marry when they get back on Earth. In my, like, post-Armageddon universe, they They were up. at the that's wedding together. Saying. They were at yeah, AJ yep. and Grace's wedding together. Because Lev's yeah, at the wedding, because totally. that's actually you, very cute. He's wearing his, like, Soviet Army <laughs> uniform in that Super 8 video. Well, I, I even think the stripper is at the yes, wedding. the stripper. Well, <laughs> now Rockhound's wife or girlfriend or uh, something. There you go. She yeah. shows up. Yeah, okay, so if we're going to do some things that are not quite believable... How did they get Will Patton's wife? I mean, I love that she's there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. she show up at NASA and she's like, yeah, I'm married. I'm ex-wife of one of those Right. Guys. Like that. That's a fair point. Also makes no sense. And also sense. The, yes. the stripper being yeah. there is like, that's also yep. kind of weird. But you know what? At, at that point, everyone, let's just do it. Let's. Yep. Totally fair. You, at some point. Let's just surrender this, to the you, film. Well, you've been blown back in your seat so hard. Your brains have exited <laughs> through your ears. And that's the best way mm -hmm. to enjoy this movie. I think I, I, I have more stuff, but I'm going to stop. Okay. And instead, I'm going to insist that everyone who is at all interested, it's on YouTube, just the audio track. <laughs> you watch you it. Will be put it on H put the movie on HBO Max. Mute the mute the film. Put on the YouTube. They still you it. can do it pretty easy. I synced it up pretty well, and uh, it done. is amusing. And I. Unfortunately, I, this this has not wet my appetite for Baperol. This is like I, I feel like did we this did, might be peak Baperol. Did we eat all the bread in the bread basket before the meal came? Was the bread On the it, best part? of the I'm going to point out that by definition, in a Michael Bay joint, it's just all dessert. So like <laughs> you know, that, that's basically what we're getting. So we'll we'll see if the other films hold up. I suspect this will be the best film we will watch. This month, but you know we do get to close with the rock. Yeah. I mean, which we both I think have enjoyed. Yeah. So, you know, we'll see what the island and Transformers hold for us. I, we shall. I've seen both of them, mm -hmm. so yeah, we shall. We shall see. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Do we have anything else, Dan? Let's see. Uh, become a pa if you enjoyed this. This then you should definitely become a patron if you're not already. <laughs> oh, thank you. It had been it had been a few been a hot second. Been too long since we had an explosion. Yep. Yep. And so become a patron, tell your friends and neighbors, join the Discord if you haven't already joined the Discord and you're a patron. Patron, yep. We will be doing Hot Sci-Fi Summer again. Mm -hmm. And so We're going to have an that. executive session where we plan out how we're going to do that. We're going to enjoy this. We'll yep. let people know what else we're doing. Yep. And until then. Keep this channel open for more.